I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Blog podcast. As usual, I'm your boy, Adam Taylor. I'm joined by Mr. Brendan Nunes and our new compadre, Mr. Rob Blanchett. Have I butchered that name, Rob? No, you got it perfect, mate. I'm happy with that. What's up, Brendan? My God. Not much, man. Another day. Another day. Another loss. Another day, another loss. Uh, yes, it, it felt it felt better than that New York loss, that's for sure. I was waiting. It, it felt, it, sorry, yeah, it felt it felt pretty good up to about three minutes to go. And then it didn't feel so good after that. But there's lots of kind of questions off the back of that game. It was a, an interesting matchup. We'd said, obviously, in our podcast here that that we weren't sure what was going to happen. We didn't have high expectations for the game. We just wanted to see what happened. Uh, and there was quite a few interesting points there in terms of Kemba and Jalen and obviously of Marcus's game. It's just trying to find how all those moving pieces work together going forward, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we saw more of that Kemba Walker-Daniel Tice type of te- telepathy that we kind of got used to towards the back end of last season. Uh, Grant Williams started. I know we discussed that. I don't think he gave much in terms of offensive production, but I did think he kind of hung quite well defensively, showed his IQ. Marcus Smart, for me, had a poor fourth, but a really good third quarter. Um, I'm cool with that. I feel like you kind of have to ride the wave a little bit with the way he is from free. Uh, we spoke about this just before we came on air. If you look at Marcus Smart's shots for last um, last night, or sorry, two nights ago when you're listening to this, if you take away his three-point attempts, he went 10 for 14 from the field. It's only when you add that those three pointers in that you start to see a bit of a shaky shooting profile. So in terms of like offensive output, I feel like he carried the team in the third, uh, done his usual defensive self. He ended the game with one steal, no blocks, but only two turnovers as well, considering he had the ball in his hand a lot for the second half of the game. Pitched in with some rebounds and some assists. So I have seen narratives that he didn't play well um, floating around social media, and I don't really buy into them this time around. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what he does obviously doesn't show up in the stat sheets with uh, rotations and, you know, helping on Embiid posting up a lot um, and, and things like that. And yeah, he made some very timely shots as well, which I think also is something that, that doesn't really show up. Um, yeah, I mean, there were moments of no Kemba with a little bit of a uh, minute restriction, I think, still going on. And, and Jalen has moments of looking passive as well. So I think Smart kind of took matters into his own hands, which was needed a little bit. Maybe, you know, there's other guys that I might prefer to get shots up, um, but somebody needs to be the initiator out there and be aggressive um, when, when Walker's sitting and then Brown gets a little bit passive sometimes. Yeah, it felt a little bit like last season as well, where I think Smart was obviously being more of a ball handler and obviously kind of exerting his will onto the game a little bit more. Whereas this season, I think he's actively been more disciplined and taking a little bit more of a backseat simply because of the way the Celtics are structured uh, around, obviously, Tatum and Brown. I, it was needed in that game. And I think he he rose to that challenge. He actually felt there in that third, especially with Kemba, having such a, a hot first half and then obviously being sat down on the bench for a while for obvious reasons, obviously coming back from this injury and making sure that you don't trigger anything uh, sinister or horrible with that knee. But he took that game on in the third and without his input and without his uh, his production in that third, 
then there is no kind of home run towards the end. There's no last three minutes where the Celtics are in it to win it. Um, it was good to see Kemba come back towards the end, but I actually think that that kind of messed with the Celtics. You know, I think they were better in the third and in the fourth, it all was just a little bit too emotional, a little bit too much. Let's put the ball in Kemba's hands and a little bit kind of everyone then reneging responsibility. So it was, it was a, it was a funny kind of game, but it was very much a bit of a chess match that you could kind of take apart the pieces and, and find out what the formula was. Yeah. I want to touch on that with Kemba. You make a good point with the way they were kind of feeding him the ball and, it happened in the second quarter as well. It felt like they were hunting Kemba out on offense. Like the Celtics just didn't want to do anything without Kemba getting his shots up. And I don't know if that's part of like a coaching decision and it's let Kemba get as many shots as possible, help him work back into it. But there was definitely one possession. I think it was late in the second or midway through the second where they worked the ball that much to get it into Kemba's hands. By the time they did, Kemba caught it on the um, in the corner stepped out of bounds and then they had to inbound with 1.2 seconds left on the clock. Um, they'd done a really good inbounds play and got the, uh, the alley-oop off it. But it was very telling of, they were very nervous about putting the ball up in, without having Kemba there. They, were, they didn't want to do it. Semi Ojale looked really shell-shocked. And what I've noticed is a couple of the guys that were having really good games while Kemba was out are now starting to struggle to figure out where they feature within the offensive hierarchy. And I wanted to ask you about Pritchard with this. Yeah, Pritchard has shot the ball three times in the last two games that Kembo's come back. Um, and, you know, I mean, you do look at, like, Marcus, like I said, had very timely shots. He had a big third quarter, um, but he shot it 19 times. Kembo shot it 15, Jalen 24. Tice had 11, but they were pretty kind of, like, easy setups, and he seems to be comfortable with these other guys. Um, do you think it's just Pritchard not really being comfortable or, like, a, a pecking order that he's not quite sure where he falls? Or what do, what do you make of Pritchard's shot attempts really going down? Because I think he's been really the surprise this year. I think it's a hierarchy. And, and I think that when you look at all sports teams, when you look at whether it be veterans or rookies or any kind of young player who's, in, who's come into a system, there's always this thing that it, when the guy comes back, and in this case for us, it's Kemba, that the ball ends up in Kemba's hands. And that means the ball ends up in Pritchard's hands less. And it's just, you can see with the Celtics, and even with Jalen Brown, who's been sensational this season, and obviously has just grown year to year to year, that he is reneging responsibility at certain times. Even when Tatum's on the court before, where those two were working perfectly in tandem, you're seeing already that the ball is going to the point guard and that it's about, let's make plays with Kemba. And I think that that's as re- as regressive and as problematic as it could be for the Celtics. Now, I know everything's about scoring and people will talk about that. They'll talk about, obviously, Kemba's ability to score the ball. But the Celtics' early success in this season has all come from contributions and the contributions have been wide. You know, we, we've had this rookie come in that no one expected to do anything and obviously the other rookie hasn't done anything yet. But the great thing was that it looked like a team. It looked like there were options in a bench that no one's particularly blown away by. But yet last night, when you look at the plus minuses, it was the bench that kept us there. It wasn't the starters. And yes, Kemba was great for the first half, but I, I do believe that in that final quarter, because they were looking for him so much, that was really the game. That that gave it away, and that was the end of it for us. Yeah, and especially with a guy like Pritchard that's had so much success with the ball in his hands, to now have to adjust to be more of an off-ball catch-and-shoot guy, which, to be fair, is what we all thought he would be, if anything, coming into the season. 
but there's definitely been times where I've seen Pritchard open and Kemba's kind of looked off of Pritchard to make room for his own shot. And then you live or die with the Kemba shot. And theoretically, you should always prefer Kemba taking a shot over Peyton Pritchard. Kemba Walker's the all-star. He's the uh, number one scoring option, apparently, at this moment in time while Jason Tatum's out. I just do worry about how much it does affect, as you said, the wider contributions, especially from the bench unit. If you look at how many shots were taken from the bench, um, Pritchard took three, Daniel Tice took 11. That's more of an outlier than something that you can cons- uh, rely on consistently. Ojale only took one, and we spoke about this as well. Ojale had a really good few games. He was putting the ball on the floor. He was flashing upside with his Euro step and with bump layups. And he, he looked like he'd really developed his um, attacking the closeouts and finishing in traffic. Only took one shot. Jeff Teague was trash. Let's not um, beat around the bush there. He definitely has has value in terms of drawing fouls. He's very good at creating contact off his via layups. But outside of that, he's just not doing much at the moment. I don't know whether he's still getting used to the system. I don't know if he is designed to play off a guy like Peyton Pritchard that is also ball dominant. And then we saw a large stretch of Javante Green, which I was actually happy with. But I'm very curious to how Peyton Pritchard adapts and still manages to put up good numbers or a high-level contribution now that Kemba's back. Yeah, I think you saw a lot of minutes for Green because, you know, they were looking for the guys that were not Kemba, Jalen, and and even Marcus for a while to just be out there and be defenders because the other guys were taking a large load of the offense. And I think that's where it makes Teague and Pritchard um, a little confusing with their role where they are primarily making their impact on the offensive end of the floor um, and, you know, probably liabilities on the defensive end. Pritchard's great at being a hound on ball, uh, full court defense. But when it comes down to it in the half court, he can totally be taken advantage of. Um, so I think that those guys just being able to to do more with the ball in their hands. And it's not like they need to be the ones initiating the offense, but Kemba's fine at playing off ball as well. And when it swings to them, I, I want them to be comfortable putting the ball on the floor um, and looking to make a play. And I, I think this will come over time, um, but it is interesting to see Pritchard just really not get as many shots up or, you know, the most impressive thing to me was his finishing at the rim. And I felt like he hardly even hit the paint at all in this game. Um, and with Kemba being out there, I get, obviously, you want the ball in his hands a lot more. Kemba did look really good, um, but that should just be the defense focusing even more on other guys, and I would think that Pritchard could get, at times, even easier looks with the defense having focus on other guys with Kemba and Jalen both being out there and Tatum eventually when he comes back. Yeah, and I think that we will just see a, a natural regression now with Pritchard, just in the sense that with this hierarchy that I spoke about earlier on, is that there isn't the same kind of pressure to perform in the sense that when you come in and you have to take that shot, yeah, people expect you to be able to spot up and shoot. But if you haven't had that intensity, you're not as dialed into the game as maybe you were a few weeks ago because there was no Kemba Walker, it's then really hard for these bench guys to be able to just step up and suddenly be something more than what they actually really are. You know, they've got to be involved more in terms of the, the full function of the roster. So I think I think that's the, the big question with Kemba going forward because I really do think that with this club being based around Tatum and Brown going forward, I don't see that there's a lot of future for Kemba Walker. Now, it doesn't mean that you'll be able to trade him because of the contract situation. I think it's a difficult situation to be in. I think he'll be healthy. I think he'll be fine, fingers crossed. But I look at the chemistry and I think that Kemba affects the flow not just we're talking about obviously the two main players 
but we're looking down the bench. We saw with Marcus Smart in this game that Smart, who's experienced, said, I'm taking control, I'm taking charge. That's why he got the points that he did. That's why the Celtics were in the position they were to win at the end of the game. It's really hard to say maybe to a Pritchard in weeks to come, no, you're, you've got to be that guy to take control because he's thinking, well, hang on, that's not where I am in this hierarchy. He might be the fourth most talented player on the team, but it won't work like that with the hierarchy. He'll be way down the pecking order. And you saw that late shot he took from the corner, which I'm telling you, weeks after weeks after weeks, he's making that shot. He didn't make it. And I wasn't surprised because the ball's just not in his hand enough. He's not taking enough shots now, now that Kemba is back. Yeah, that's a good point. He's going to be far more out of rhythm than what we have seen him. And it's really hard for guys like that who require a little bit of usage, uh, consistent usage, to then stay warm when they haven't got the ball. You're just kind of finding yourself on the wing, hoping that the ball finds its way to you. And even if it does, you're usually going to be a pivot point so it finds its way to a more primary scorer. So that is going to be an issue. And this has just kind of been tweeted out while we were recording, so I thought it would be good to pull it in here now. Uh, it leads us on to talking about to the game two against Philly. The Jason Tatum will not play tomorrow. Um, officially, the Celtics have ruled him out. Probably means he's going to be back Sunday. He was practicing yesterday. He'll practice today, tomorrow, Saturday, and then he'll be back on Sunday. Aaron Neesmith is questionable. He was, he's got lower back spasms. And then Romeo Langford out. Carson Edwards is out too. Obviously, the one we all care about is Jason Tatum being out. Do you think that, look, if we're already talking about players struggling to figure out where they fit in this hierarchy, where they fit with the ball in their hands, how often they're going to get le- like legitimate touches, not just touches where it's a, you know, it's a skip pass and you've kind of just picked it up and you need to pivot the ball on. What happens when Tatum's back and those touches have to go somewhere as well? Uh, I do worry about how the it's all well and good having guys like Pritchard that are scorers that can get hot and score and keep you in games. But when they're not touching the ball, where's their value going to be? That's why I think Brendan's made points before about bringing in more defensive specialists because then the touches on offense mean far less than what they do with a guy like Pritchard or a guy like Jeff Teague, that they only really bring offensive upside. So I, I do have questions about how this kind of camaraderie is going to stand because everyone spoke about how great the Celtics locker room is, how how unified they are. Does that still stay that way once players start getting their nose disjointed because they were having touches and now those touches have been taken away? And you know the classic cliche, winning solves everything, right? I, I think that if you are able to run the offense through primarily three guys in Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they're extremely talented and I think that you can do that um, and, and then fill in with obviously one of the bigs of Thompson or uh, Tice and probably smart out there as well for your primary lineup um, who it really is that defensive specialist that you can totally make that work um, and, and I think that winning games is going to help with a lot of you know any potential chemistry issues which I don't think that we've seen like hints of that happening or anything outside of, you know, maybe a little trauma from previous seasons with uh, different personnel. But yeah, I mean, I think that um, in additional um, getting used to Kemba Walker playing off ball, I, I think that him just getting reacclimated with the team, they've really ran through him a lot to, I think, get him comfortable again, when I think that actually he does have a decent impact he can make off the ball as well. And I think we'll see that more with Tatum come back. Um, and it's yeah, just going to be about probably a little bit of a confidence and hierarchy thing like Rob was talking about when it comes to guys like 
Pritchard or maybe even Teague and things like that. Um, so I, I don't I don't know if I view it as too much of a problem for the other guys. Um, but I do think that more of these, like this is why you saw, again, Javante Green minutes, because he just is going to play his role on the offensive end and a lot of his value is going to come on defense. So you might see additional bump in some guys like that. Uh, yeah, and, and this is like, scorers are great, aren't they? But I, agree, I totally agree. You know, if the Celtics are going to take this team forward and the, and the vision and the philosophy is going to be built around these three guys, you know, now the Celtics' modern big three, then what you have in reserve has got to have some defensive qualities or much deeper defensive qualities than what they currently have. Now, there will be other kind of sparks and knock-on effects. We saw, obviously, Daniel Tice as his performance. Uh, we'd said in the last podcast we'd, we were looking for to see what Thompson would do and what his value would be, obviously, against Embiid uh, and how Tice might slip in as the as the number two guy there in that position. And I think I said as well that I felt that that, that Thompson might fail in his kind of pursuit of... Uh, of uh, Embiid and that might actually help Tice to go in there and be Tice from last season what actually really helped Tice was Kemba so Kemba coming in there and then playing that kind of two-man game Kemba worked perfectly with him and I think that's going to be more of the function for me for Kemba Walker going forward than maybe say Kemba Walker of the last 10 years or the all-star point guard who can sink you 40 on a given night he's going to have to try and find a new defined role in there with new matchups to allow Tatum and Brown to be the same guys that they have been recently. And, you know, I don't want to see Jalen Brown kind of slip down to number three in the order because Kemba, who's the older guy, the veteran, the person who really wants the ball as a point guard, you know, he wants he wants to do all of that work. He wants to dribble the ball out, you know, wherever he wants to go with it. We need to make sure that the balance is still there. And that's the big question with Kemba. He'll help other players like Tice, but he might actually take a hell of a lot away from players like Pritchard who really do need the ball in their hand as well. I think it, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a night to night basis, but everybody needs to get their opportunities at the beginnings of the game and you realize who is on that night and let them take advantage of, of what is a good opportunity and, and, you know, getting in a rhythm like you're talking about, maybe Pritchard hits that three when he's given more opportunities in the first half. I mean, the one thing I do want to say, I'm just kind of going to change the discussion point a tiny little bit. First of all, I want to point out that Tristan Thompson only played 20 minutes against Philly. Um, I don't know whether he's still got some hangovers on the injuries he had to begin the year, and that's why we're not seeing the best of him yet. But I do still have questions about his viability if he was the pickup that everybody hoped it would be. But then just to kind of talk about while we're talking about Pritchard and the ball being in guys' hands more, the one thing that became very prevalent to me watching this game was that Philadelphia don't just kill you on their initial passes, but they have some really good secondary creation, which they just feast off their open their um, spot shooters, feast off that secondary creation. There was a play that I tweeted out where they got the post-entry pass from Joelle Embiid into Ben Simmons that had flash cut into some space. And then Ben Simmons just relocated that ball as soon as it touched his hands over to the weak side wing for a Danny Green free. That specific player tweeted didn't fall but they had so many points coming off secondary creation. And then when you look at Boston and the way they're setting up with their four-out offense and they're running that high pick and roll, there is no secondary creation. If that play fails, they reset at the top and then they go again. And I think that's going to be the difference when they're playing some of these great teams, uh, Philadelphia, Miami, Milwaukee, LA, Clippers or Lakers. They all have secondary creation in their, in their arsenal and they don't... Ha- 
collapse as much as what Boston do when a player gets stifled by the defense. That is worrying for me. And I don't know whether that's a coaching thing because they definitely have the playmakers to do it or whether that's just a mentality thing that they need to work through this early in the season. I would wonder if it's a personnel thing, maybe. Um, when, when you're running out, I think when you do see Kemba, Jalen, and Jason, that you might see a bit more of that. But like from Philly's point of view, you know, last season um, when they're rolling out a bunch of non-shooters alongside Simmons and Embiid, um, you didn't see that great movement. But when all of a sudden they're kicking it out to a, you know, Maxi's been very well for them. Obviously, Seth Curry wasn't playing yesterday, but he's on this roster. Um, and, and Danny Green, I, I think it looked a little better. So, I mean, I would even wonder if it was a personnel thing and having the ideal guys um, when really, I mean, I feel like the confidence in the offense is going to come from Kemba Jalen Marcus on a night to night basis, even though he's probably confident night in and night out um, and, and then Pritchard. So I think that when you have your big three all healthy together, that maybe that feels a little bit better. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and I think also sometimes the Celtics in those situations do overplay. You know, we talk about secondary creation. I think there's so much emphasis on, you know, either Kemba, uh, Jalen or Jason to actually either drive the ball or make a play or get their shots that there isn't really the rest of the team. That's what they're looking for. They're kind of looking for those three guys to just go and score points. But that's a, that's, that's a, a backwards way of basketball. It works some nights, but when you're in those tight situations, you need to create, you need to be able to lay that ball off. You need to find something that your opponent isn't expecting the Celtics don't have that in their locker at the moment. And like we're just saying here, you know, someone like Pritchard could be that guy. You know, he could be that guy that you give the ball to in, in, a, in a secondary manner to, to get you points. But we're just saying now, he's not going to be getting shots anymore. So you don't really want him to have the ball now because you're thinking, hang on, you're not getting your shots. Yes, you're a talented player, but you're not going to be in that rhythm. So what do you do? You revert to type and you give the ball to the main three. I think that's a problem. I think that will stop the Celtics from progressing deeper into the playoffs as we go forward that we're projecting now. But I think that's going to be a real issue. And that, that could be where the season kind of begins and ends because I'm not sure they've got personnel to figure that out. And as we said on the last podcast, we'd probably wait for the TPE to be used maybe later on than now. But I think the issue is actually now. See, I do agree where we're saying there isn't a spot up shooters to be able to run that secondary creation in terms of, you know, a secondary pass back out to a shooter who's already spotting up. But they do have a, a bunch of slashers on this team that are able to attack with the rip through. So if you're doing secondary creation and you're swinging the ball weak side, if you can't shoot, but you know you've got the handles and the physicality to, to get to the hole, then do that. Don't just rely on it being a, a pick and roll offense where you're either looking for the roll man, you're looking for the floater, or you're going to just pull up. Because it's really easy for teams to scheme against. They'll hedge you on the pick and roll. Then they'll make sure their help defense is posted in the paint to kill the drive. And you're forced into some tough shots. We saw that from Marcus Smart in this game. He made them, but there was a couple of shots where it was just like, these are tough shots and you're, you're hot at the moment. But there's going to be a time where you're taking these fall away 24 footers and then not going to fall. So, And that's because the, t the defense knows that if we drop a man into the paint, we kill the drive off the pick and roll. We stop the roll man. And then if we hedge the ball handler, all they've got left is that mid-range. And we'll live with that if it's not Jalen Brown shooting it. So I want to see a lot more penetration. And I've said this for a while. They're just, in my opinion, the best penetrators are Rob Williams, Jalen, Jason, 
and then Kemba obviously but Kemba's the ball handler so in this situation he wouldn't have the ball anymore because he would have gave it up I, I do think another wing is going to be needed and maybe that's where Romeo Langford comes in and makes the difference on this uh, allowing secondary creation to wings funny because this almost feels like an overcorrection from last season right where it was just like I I want these primary guys to be the ones taking the shots and it feels like they're passing it up in order to create opportunities for other people and now it feels like they've overcorrected and it's only these primary guys making plays it feels like it's an overcorrection from about five years ago that's what it feels like. It feels like that we're, we're in the spot where we want to be with with a, with a big three. I, I don't want to use that because obviously they're, they're not particularly a big three yet. But obviously they're the three main players at the club. And yet we, we, we want them to be taking that shot. But we also do want the extra shot. We do want to see them do other things. And I'm just talking about Marcus Smart there to touch on that. I think we've seen enough of Marcus this season to know that when everyone is fit, especially when Jason is in the team, that he won't be taking those shots. I don't think we'll see Marcus from a season or two ago where where he was kind of just chucking up bombs and trying to find something to explode into the basket. I think he has been told that that's not his role, but obviously against Philly, there was that extra spare man. And obviously there was the, the, the fact that Kemba was going to go and sit for a period on the bench. So I, I don't think we'll see a lot of that. I think it's just going to be, you know, stick or twist with the three guys, win or lose with that but I don't see us actually winning when we don't really have the defense to protect them as well. Even though those two guys, you know, they're two way guys, but we know Ikemba, we know he's weak on defense. Which makes me laugh because what, what really perplexes me, and I'm, I'm using nice words today. What really perplexes me is Boston's defense has never been about an individual. It's always been about the way they, the intensity they play with and the way that they fly out on switches they never kind of dawdle once it's a switch. It's always really energetic, straight in your face, fly by on the contested freeze, and it's all high energy, high octane defense. This year, it feels a lot more like subtle. The the switches are still happening, but nobody's really going at them full throttle. I don't know whether that's obviously because it's such a truncated season. They're having to go that few steps slower to conserve energy to play the amount of games in the short space of time. But it's definitely having a knock-on effect to their effect, their defensive efficiency. And if that's the case, and you know that you can't operate with that intensity, change your defensive scheme. Don't just live and die by what you always do, because you're not doing what you always do. You've took it down a few notches. So maybe that's why we saw a bit extra zone. We saw some two-three zone against Philly. Maybe that's going to be something we start to see more of. And get creative. Nick Nurse likes to throw out box and one. Why don't we throw out box and one? Like little things like this kind of perplex me when there's other ways to conserve energy defensively while still being highly efficient. Yeah, and I think that when you when you talk about like uh, Kemba being a bad defender and rolling him out there, obviously for his offensive impact, you think of Isaiah Thomas years where they were really able to hide this guy. I think you know you surround one just clearly bad defender with all other players that are are really positives on that end in a notable amount. I don't think you're ever rolling out, you know, Kemba Walker along with another bad defender in that lineup because then it becomes extremely difficult to hide both of them together. Um, So I think that I'm still just going to reserve judgment a little bit on defense until we see a full roster because I do think when you're rolling out um, Kemba, Smart, 
Brown, Tatum, and then, you know, one of Tyser Thompson, which looks like it's probably Tice right now, that, you know, you, you could get a little bit of that defensive flow that we're back and really expected coming into this season. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, and I think as well, when you when you look at the Celtics defense this year, for me, this is this is the worst they have been. Forget about the numbers, forget about the stats for a minute. You were just from body language and looking like they know what they're doing. On defense, this is the worst they've looked for years. So we can go back, as you said, obviously, to the Isaiah time. And very much in those times, everyone knows that Isaiah could get targeted, but hey, he's going to go off, he's going to score you points, so you look after him, and everyone else just defends hell for leather. This isn't that team anymore. You know, we know that both Jalen and Jason are two-way. They can do they, they can do their defensive duties, but it's about how you lead those units. We are not in the place now where we can just say to Kemba, Here, "Here's the ball, go and be our version of Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, and go us win us games in that manner." And you could see they were trying to do that almost in the fourth quarter against Philly. Certainly at the end, it was like. Give the ball to Kemba and Kemba will make it happen. And, you know, we need to give him repetitions anyway. So it's good. It's good practice. You know, it's ticking a few boxes. But I just think that if that's where we're going to end up towards the playoffs and that's going to be the game plan, then it, I really don't think it's going to be a very good playoff run for the Celtics. Do you guys still think that Kemba's still got that killer in his veins? Yeah, I do. I, I, go for it, Brendan. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that he looked very quick. Um, and I think that was a lot of the concern. He, the burst that he would have. I know he mentioned that, you know, he feels better and he sees it a lot in his pull-ups. Um, I, I totally think that's still there. I just don't want him forcing anything. And I, yeah, I agree with that. And, and I think, you know, the first half, I thought, wow, Kemba's back. That's what I thought. I looked at him and it was just more the, just the way he just popped around the court, just the way that he, he, you could see the effervescence in his play. He looked like he was out there on a kind of concrete schoolyard, t- tips and tricks and finding holes and being aggressive. And, and you can see that's the mindset because he's thinking, I need something, I need to prove something here because we've all talked about him as the number three guy. You know, he didn't come to Boston to be the number three guy. We know he's unselfish. We know he's come here to win as a team, but he's also a kind of player that, needs to get his shots. We know that he, 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 a bit like Marcus Smart, he's going to put up a few bad shots as well. So we're living in a world now where I just think that that kind of old school way of how he plays, it just is it's not going to work going forward. But the Celtics must find a way of making those units work. And I just think we're going to hit these bumps non-stop now, game after game after game. Obviously, no uh, Jason Tatum for, for the next match against Philly. And I think we might just see a repetition of the issues. You know, I think they'll try and give the ball to, to Kemba. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll see Jalen maybe step up a little bit more, even though he did get his points. But we need to see him be more kind of controlling and aggressive in terms of uh, being a primary ball hander at times. There's lots of questions, and there's more questions than answers at the moment, and that's what worries me. What I've noticed is Jalen's been taking that step back as a playmaker more than as a scorer. He's still looking to get his shots. He's still being quite aggressive in the way he's hunting that mid-range because he's been super efficient there all year. But three assists is not the Jalen Brown that we saw to begin the year. It's not the Jalen Brown we saw three or four games ago. He's been very good at facilitating for others. They've used him in pick and rolls. They've used him as, um, you know, like an off-ball screener to get the ball and then hit the dump pass. They've used him in so many different ways that I'm now actually quite confident that Jalen Brown can be the secondary or third uh, third tier initiator on this roster. 
So when Jason Tatum's out, I want to see Jalen Brown getting six assists, you know, five or six assists. And the only guy to get that in this game was Kemba, and he was on a minutes restriction. Jalen played an extra, like, 12 minutes and only come up with three assists. And I just, I think that's part of the problem as well. There's just not enough ball movement. There's not enough trust going from top to bottom of this roster. And if the Stars don't feel like the supporting cast are capable of scoring the points and putting up the numbers, then the Celtics need to look at bringing in a new supporting cast. Because at the moment, seeing Shemi Ojale go back to the Semi Ojale of old, and then seeing Jeff Teague on the roster, on the roster not roster, roster, is not filling me with uh, confidence in terms of production off the bench, which again brings us back to the same issues that plagued the team last year. When it comes to Jalen, for me, I think I just need to see him be aggressive throughout the entire game. I don't think you really felt him that much in the first half of the game. And I think you could say that throughout times this season, um, but specifically these two games with Kemba being back. I think that I, I would just look for him to really, I know we're kind of talking about not forcing things from these guys, but like he clearly is one of the primary players out there like you're mentioning I mean I think he's clearly you know probably number two behind Kemba right now I think there's nights where he should be number one over Kemba um, but there's long stretches where you don't really feel him and I think that he just needs to make his impact more apparent and and really almost demand the ball sometimes um, and, and not necessarily force plays but it shouldn't be run through Kemba every single time when Jalen's out there and it shouldn't take until the third quarter until you really feel him. It, it makes sense, obviously, for Kemba to have the ball as he's coming back. We understand that. But for me, Jalen has to be the number one guy in these scenarios now if Jason Tatum's not there. Jalen Brown is the number one guy. And that's where the hierarchy has to be either shuffled so it's correct, so everyone on the team understands that, and that obviously all the plays are built around that and where the ball goes is built around that kind of philosophy. But what we've seen in these two games, you can look at the the New York game as well, you can see that there's a kind of a step back from Jalen. I don't think it's got anything to do with trust. I think it's just a case that they've probably talked it over before and they're like, do you know what? We're going to help you, Kemba. We're going to get you back. We're going to give you the ball and we're going to give you confidence and we're going to show we trust you. So it's not even a trust about a trust issue with the bench or any of the, the kind of younger guys. It's more about, I think, intelligence. And I think there you have to say, oh, do you know what, Kemba? We are going to give you the shots, but do you know what? We're not going to lose the game for it. And I think that's more important. I think that's where Jalen, like you said there, if Jalen's not the guy taking the shot, Jalen's got to get assists. I want to see him getting six assists, seven assists. You know, I don't mind if he gets, you know, 22 and six. I'll live with that. You know, I'll live with that if that's where we're going, going forward, because it means people are scoring the ball. But I don't want this to be all just about, oh, hi, you know, Kemba's back, give him the ball, let's see where that works. Because I think that that gets more frustrating for players like Marcus Smart then where you think to yourself, Marcus thinks, right, well, I'm going to take my shot here because I've got to cram it in somewhere in the middle here of the Kemba Walker show. I don't think it's a case of they feel any resentment for that. I believe they all want Kemba to score, but it means no makes no sense if it actually means that the Celtics lose matches. Yeah, and that's a good point. There's going to be times where players are like, I need to put up this shot here because... I need to get one of my four four allotted shots a night that is part of the rotation in. And sometimes you'll find shots are getting rushed because of that, because players don't know the next time the ball's going to come to them in a scoring opportunity. And I understand when the equal opportunity offense was in place last year with Hayward, everybody was like, equal opportunity offense doesn't work. We, myself and Brendan, actually spoke about that at length. And I want to be a bit hypocritical here. They've gone too far the other way 
and a defined scoring structure so rigid as what they're currently using isn't going to work either. They've gone again; they've overcorrected with uh, with the way they're operating their offense right now. Yeah, equal opportunity works if you've got three guys who are equal. I don't believe that Kemba Walker is equal to Jalen Brown anymore. I think Jalen's. I think Jalen's moved on. I think Jalen is the guy now in that situation. We do have a very natural one-two now in terms of who are the guys at this club. But there's still going to be tons of situations where Kemba does win you games. We know he can score heavy. We know he can do magical things. But if that hierarchy is not meshed and not working correctly, you know, we say about equal opportunities. The issue is that other guys are going to look at this and say, hang on, this isn't working. So we're going to try and, you know, jack a shot up here. We're going to try something a little bit different because we should be trying different things. And it's all too predictable. That's what I worry about going forward. Because if you get a night where Jason Tatum isn't producing it, the guy I want the ball, the hands, you know, the attach of the his hands on the ball is Jalen Brown. And the problem is, I think that there's going to be some confusion on that unless they can sort it out. Unless Brad can actually find a way, you know, we know he can make these plays that that kind of get teams ticking. But I don't want it to be at the expense of Jalen Brown, and I also don't want it to be at the expense of someone like Peyton Pritchard actually continuing his development. You know, Semi Ojale, like we said, we don't want him taking, you know, the big shot. But you can see that his shot suddenly disappeared because that equal opportunities have gone from the last few weeks where he's thinking, I'm going to get my shots, I'm ready, I'm going to take it. Oh, I've got 10 points tonight, fantastic. But he's now not going to get that shot. He's going to get two shots a night and he's probably going to miss both of them. So it's about a balancing act and how Brad does that, I don't know because I'm not Brad Stevens but I don't want to see it being this kind of confusion between three stars and taking away maybe your potency to win matches. Yeah, and we, we've talked a lot about how Brad tests things throughout the season. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if you know Jalen does end up sort of in a uh, higher tier, if we're talking this hierarchy over Kemba. Um, and I do think it's kind of a night-to-night basis, but it's about um, you know when, when things aren't going for anyone, who do you go to? Um, I think that's kind of where that hierarchy comes into place. And I do trust Brad to kind of figure it out as the year goes, but hopefully that doesn't result in too many, in too many losses adding up. And it's a different situation, isn't it? To say Jalen, Jason and Kemba to say the situation that we see at Brooklyn, you know, it's a completely different kind of setup and kettle of fish of, of these three players who have obviously got, you know, big reputations, big attitudes in some cases, but there you can see the kind of equal opportunities thing and how it might work and also how it might completely blow up and not work. I don't want to really see that at the Celtics. I want to see more discipline. I want to see us have a defensive structure because that's how all the good stuff that the Celtics have done over the last several years, certainly through the Brad Steven years, that's how they've become the team that they became. And I think we should stick with that philosophy because I think we move away too far away from that. You could see it all blowing up very quickly. I think that's a good point to leave it on. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more in game two. I really want to see some adjustments. If I don't see some adjustments, I'm going to be very, very sad. I don't want more of the same. Uh, Just in terms of the way they run the offense, maybe we see some more set plays. We see some less kind of free flow ball and everyone gets their shots within the flow of the offense that little bit more. Guys, we'll be back on Monday. Yep, Monday. So over the weekend, if you listen and you like it, make sure to leave that five-star written review. If you don't like it, then don't leave a review because if you haven't got nothing else to say, we do need to find out how to fit a third one in. Something like that at the end. (laughs) There we go. 
And then, uh, guys, we'll catch you again on Monday, bright and early. Everyone have a good weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy the basketball.